we read together to remind us of where we are going. That is towards Jesus, allowing the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, and the family of God to form a fidelity of allegiance to him alone. Please read aloud with me as we confess this together. We are rooted, holding fast to a simple message of Jesus, scriptural orthodox doctrine, and the power of the Spirit. We are four people, expanding our circle, making room for more people to belong, loving others like Jesus. We are together, being unified as God-honoring, joyful, generous, humble contributors. We are focused, prioritizing prayer, discipleship, and outreach partnerships. We are advancing, being propelled by gratitude, expectation, spiritual practices, and humble unity. Well, good morning again. Uh, if you're just tuning in online, my name is Matthew, one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to be with you. And I love being able to read aloud things like our church mindsets or key, uh, key creeds to our faith, things each week that we read corporately aloud to remind us where we are going, remind us of who we are as a family, and the, the, the way in which we are walking as a family and a people of God. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's great to, to read. And so we always like hearing nice, strong, loud reading as we all participate together. Hey, uh, join me in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, if you did not, don't have a, a printed copy of Scripture there in front of you, you can pull out your phone and uh, scan the QR code on your screen and uh, it'll take you to a spot where you can digitally follow along the notes, the main points, as well as um, the scriptures that you can read along with us. We're in a collection of sermons uh, looking at the King Jesus gospel, looking at the gospel that Jesus proclaimed so that we can live out that same gospel and we can proclaim that gospel as well. And we are in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we're going to start here in verse 21. This is what the scripture says. You have heard that your ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, oh, you're actually subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot... You are in danger of becoming, being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. I would add, curse them in sign language as well. Would perhaps be an appropriate application there. Goes on to say in verse 23, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember... That someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Jesus is using a little bit of exaggerative language here, friends. He's kind of bringing a little bit of humor to some rather serious subjects. And he's using this humor. He's like, hey, listen, if you you're like mid-worship. You are good. Good. And all of a sudden you're like, uh oh, I remember I made someone really, really mad this week and I never apologized, never did anything wrong. And they probably are holding that against me. Stop singing and go the three day journey back to Galilee. Make it right, then walk back and then continue your worship. 
he's using some exaggeration to help us get a better understanding of some things. Then he goes on to say in verse 25, when you're on your way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to the officer who will then throw you into prison. And if that happens, oh, you surely won't be free. If you have a paper Bible, underline those words. Won't be free. Again, until you have paid the very last penny. What a great text to come to on Mother's Day. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, Lord, these words are true. I pray, Lord, that over the next few minutes you would open our hearts so that we could hear what you want to say to us. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and our hearts and our spirits would be ready to receive what you're saying to us today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, there are some things in life that you do, and you do them with like little regard, and you've probably never felt an inch of regret about them. I know that's true for me. Like, I have never once flossed my teeth and immediately thought, yeah, that's a bad deal. I wish I could go back and not floss my teeth today. I've never been kind to someone, and at night sitting there in my bed replaying the events of the day, it's like, you know what? I probably should have been a little more rude. That probably would have been a good idea if I would have been a little more insulting instead of encouraging. I got a little bit regret about being kind today. I probably ought not, not have done that. On the flip side, though, there has never been a time I've lashed out in anger at someone else that somewhere in the immediate future I did not sit back thinking, ah, I wish I could take those words back. I wish I wouldn't have done that. Oh, I really have some damage control to do today. Like that, that is almost, regret has almost immediately followed the anger within us. Now, I'm, I'm not an emotionless person. I have the capacity to feel deeply. In fact, you have the capacity to feel deeply. We, we all do. We all have these emotions. Now, our emotions aren't meant to be our Lord. They're not meant to be the gauge for everything that is right and true and wholly correct in our lives. But our emotions are like dashboards. If you've been around Faith Church and we've talked about this for any, in, any number of times, you've heard me say this before. Your emotions are not right nor are they wrong. They are simply a gauge indicating something that you believe. It's like the, the gauge in your car giving you certain readings on what's going on underneath the hood. They aren't the problem. They're just identifying and revealing what's really going on that you can't see right now. You, your emotions are telling you the truth about something that you believe. The problem is what you believe, don't miss this, might not actually be true. It's telling you the truth about something you believe, but right in this moment, perhaps what you are believing may not actually be the truth. Anger is one of those kind of emotions, trying to alert us to something else that's going on 
But oftentimes we see it as the whole thing of what is going on. In fact, it, it, I think there's been some research done that when you get angry, your blood pressure starts to rise. You lose the ability to think clearly and accurately, which, fellas, is why you always lose the argument at home. And mama's always right because you get so upset, your blood pressure goes, you can't think clearly. And she has no problem thinking clearly for five years straight, exactly every detail that's ever taken place and word you have said and will fully convince you that you indeed did say and promise to do X, Y, or Z. Anger is an interesting thing for us all. See, typically we experience a primary emotion like fear, loss, sadness, insecurity first. Because these emotions create feelings of vulnerability and loss of control, they make us uncomfortable. One way of attempting to deal with these feelings is then by subconsciously just shifting into anger. Anger is this outward expression of an inner tension that we are feeling, that we're experiencing. Something is not at ease within us, and this tension is growing, and it shows up in our anger. There's something more going on than just the emotion of anger. For the business owner, it's the fact that they are being crippled by debt, and they are afraid of losing everything they've worked hard for, but it shows up when they are yelling at the vice president of their company. The vice president of their company feels this sense of, of of loss of control, and he can't help it because it's all the people under him. And so he gets back to his office only to discover that the secretary has sent out a memo with another grammar error after he's told her hundreds of times to not do that, but she sent it out, and so he lashes out in anger. But really, he's just feeling out of control. Only for the secretary to sit back and feel the weight of it, and it screams at her own insecurity again. And so now she finally gets home trying to keep it all in, feeling insecure about life and feeling like a failure and feeling like all of these things, only to discover that her kids left the milk out on the counter again after she said it 17 times. Put the milk away, put the milk, hey, don't forget to put the milk away, put the milk away or it'll spoil, put the milk away or it'll spoil. And the milk didn't get put away. And so when their kids walk into the kitchen, boom, she loses it on them. And the kids feel scared and upset, and they feel like they don't have any control, and they have no one's, they're, they're feeling uncertain about what's going on, so they kick the cat. And they themselves get mad at the video game that they can't win at anymore because they're not good enough, and their own insecurities and fear and loss of control, and the cycle continues. It's an inner tension trying to help us understand something. And anger tends to show up when we've lost some control, which control is an illusion to begin with. You don't really have control anyways, but we like to pretend that we do. And if we're not careful, anger will turn into this rage against someone else, and it can create damage. It can damage your reputation. It can damage your relationships. It can damage actual property that costs you money to fix. Anger within us seems to be something that, again, it's not a sin to feel angry within. But we tend to cross the line when anger comes from within and is now expressed outward towards someone else. 
that becomes lesser faith. Anger within us means is, is meant to lead us to discover something about what's going on in our heart and in the formation of our life. It's meant to cause us to stop and reflect and be like, hold on one second, what is really going on in me? But most of us don't stop. We just power right through and re-end up with regret later. Anger within us reveals this tension that we're experiencing. Our nation is not absent of this. If I were to, to define our nation in just a few words, it would be words like angry, bitter, offended, and fearful. I think we've witnessed it firsthand what happens when, even with those, hear me, within the walls of the church who are followers of Jesus, as Christians, we tend to be a little bit angry. As we listen to the discourse and we listen to the things going on in our world and how we talk about it, it seems like we often lose sight of how to utilize anger as a moment to stop and to reflect and to understand something deeper. We use it as a moment to create uh, an outburst of our flesh becoming slaves yet again to our own thoughts and desires. Uh, we've witnessed this firsthand. I, I remember reading and watching how in New York people of an oriental uh, nationality, people from Asia region were walking down streets and people were mugging them and beating them brutally in anger. Taking it out on them because China gave us the coronavirus. Anger that leads to some outbursts of rage that are often dangerous, destruction-filled, and they just leave people devastated. Jesus knew this world uh, all too well. This, it's not like our world is any different than Jesus' world. We just have an updated version of it. See, in Jesus' world, people of his day wrote about their time and their society describing incidents kind of like this. Romans would insult Jews. Samaritans would attack Jews. It was racially motivated. Jews would then fight back, and a different Jewish party would then insult and attack each other within their own. All it would take was one insult, one claim, one political statement, and knives were out and stabbings were occurring in the streets, and blood filled their land because of anger. Meant to... Point us at something, but we don't know what to do with that. We just think that it's normal and natural to let our anger out, and you just got to let out some steam. You just got to let it out. See, Jesus lived in a time similar to ours. Earlier in chapter 5, we saw last week that Jesus was coming to present an inside-out way of living, a, a paradox of a of a way of life. He was coming to show us what true life looked like, how life could be satisfied and flourishing and, and full of joy, and that life can be found when we live according to his kingdom, when we live as salt and light in our world. There's a different kind 
there's a new way to be human, a new way to experience a flourishing life, a new way to have uh, peace in your home and have healthy relationships with your extended family and have work relationships where it's not always tense and yelling and loud, that there is a way in which to live. That anger doesn't define you nor control you. Jesus was trying to present this idea to us when he's giving us ideas of, hey, live as salt and as light. But for many of us, and as was the case in Jesus' day, we tend to just be salty. And we tend to have a blinding light searching out other people's faults rather than repenting and recognizing our own. And this is what Jesus was coming to present, a different way of life. And he was introducing this new way of living. He was flipping things inside out. He was taking the old commandments, the Ten Commandments, these top ten things of what does it look like to be a, a human community living together. How do you have good, harmonious relationships? Last year, I think it was last year, we did an entire collection where we walked through the Ten Commandments and we taught what they meant and how they look in our lives today and why they're still important for a community to utilize and recognize these guidelines and boundaries that Jesus was giving to us. Here is Jesus in his greatest sermon of all, sitting down and he's trying to take the Ten Commandments that they would all be familiar with, like don't murder, don't commit adultery, watch out for jealousy and your vows and, and don't divorce and you're living, uh, don't covet. He was taking all of these Ten Commandments and he was flipping them upside down and he was saying things like, you've heard it said you should not murder. But I'm telling you, if you even get angry in your heart and get to the point where you wish they would die, you're already in danger of some serious judgment. And he came to bring this contrasting view. And he's not trying to say this one is wrong and this one is right. He's actually trying to say this one is right and this one is even more right. And together you can see the understanding. He was giving some contrast. Uh, one of my favorite things to do when I edit photos, uh, when I was doing that on a more regular basis than what I am now, uh, is to always boost the contrast in a photo because it adds a richer, deeper, more robust color and it makes things stand out and pop a little more. This is what Jesus is doing with the Ten Commandments. He's taking them and saying, hey, you know how it says don't murder? Like killing a life innocently falls into the category of murder. Not liberating yourself to live your own life, but it falls into the category of murder because life is sacred to God. And he's looking at it and he's saying, this is, this is an issue. And so on one hand, Jesus is coming saying, he's saying, murder is wrong. And when we talk about it, it's not that it's 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 not more than murder, but it's not less than murder either. There, there's more going on than just choosing to not murder. As long as I don't pull out the gun and shoot someone, I'm okay. He's saying, no, no, no. It's not less than that, but it is oh so much more than that. What's going on beneath the surface is this understanding that Jesus is giving us a warning in this text. If you want to experience the flourishing life, if you want to experience the life that is satisfied and full of joy and peace and has self-control and you really find yourself flourishing, 
Jesus is giving us a warning against rage. Jesus is warning you and warning me about the rage that we tend to possess. And whenever rage remains in our lives, it destroys something within us as well. Uh, anger is often visualized in our culture as a uh, smoldering smoke, isn't it? Kind of like steam pouring out of someone's head. All of our emojis on our phones, right? Like anger is represented in hot red. Flames ready to go. Like, like man, I am just heated. I am fuming mad, we would say. Jesus is offering a similar contrast for our lives. Professor N.T. Wright, in his commentary, Matthew for Everyone, says of this text, he says, it all begins with a smoldering anger against someone. All right, it may not result in murder, but the point of the commandment against murder was not that you should stop short, just short of killing someone, but that you should never get near even the thought that you wish they were dead. What judgment will you incur? God's judgment, clearly. But this isn't simply an arbitrary punishment that will catch up with you eventually, but rather a judgment that will begin right now. Every time you decide to let your anger smolder on the inside of you, you are becoming a little less than fully human. You are deciding to belittle yourself, he says. Of course, if you let your anger turn into foul and abusive language, sooner or later you may find yourself in court. And if you are the sort of, sort of person who sneers, makes snide remarks at everybody, even calls them names, then it's like there is a fire inside of you may eventually become all that's left of you. The word Gehenna is the word that Jesus used for hell in the Greek. Gehenna was a smoldering garbage dump outside of ancient Jerusalem. And N.T. Wright comments that what Jesus was pointing out, if you are continually making snide remarks, continually criticizing other people, continually slandering and speaking negatively, if you are letting the rage come out of your mouth, you will become like the smelly, smoldering dump of Gehenna, and people will not want to be around you. In fact, you'll be the kind of person that everybody wants to tiptoe around and not create wakes or waves because you are a ticking time bomb and they don't know what you might do or say. What a lack of flourishing that feels like, doesn't it? Doesn't that kind of life just feel like a trap? And Jesus wants to set you free from that. Jesus wants to give you a different way to be human and live in your life. In July of last year, there was a country song that debuted. It was entitled, Am I the Only One? My guess is many of you have heard it, perhaps even sung along to it. It was such a resounding success that over 60,000 copies of that song were sold within the first week. Perhaps signaling that other people share the same sense of frustration, angst, perhaps even anger towards the reality of our world as the artist. On Spotify alone, not Pandora, not Apple Music, not YouTube, on Sp Spotify alone, over fi almost 15 million plays that song has had in the last year. Just on Spotify. 
I wonder if there is something raging in us and we're unwilling to confront it. As a nation, as a people. Is the world around us avoiding the people of God because it smells too much like rage and anger? It's a little too salty and a little too blinding of a light that they can't see the God behind our words and our actions. Friends, I want to be very, very clear. This is one thing that Jesus was saying to us, warning us, because he doesn't want us to live this way. This is what, take note of this. Rage shows up in your mouth. Before it's an action, it shows up in your mouth. We, think, we do things like slander and curse and gossip and use vulgar, colorful language, even making passive-aggressive remarks in our memes and other things that we post about things that make us angry. You get mad at the school board for making your kids wear masks, so we curse and gossip and slander and speak negatively about other people casting judgment on them. Whether you like it or don't like it, feeling unjust or unjust, no matter where you land on the subject, the reality is it made many people angry. And it came out of your mouth. It came out of my mouth. We get angry at the people who don't agree with us on something and we cut them down with insults as if God didn't send Jesus to die for them too. Anger, rage, it shows up in our mouths. In our homes, it's not that we are instructive or constructive with our kids. We actually just get critical and short and sarcastic when rage begins to come out of our mouth. Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes, giving us the same warning that Jesus was giving us in Matthew 5. And he says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them or read them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Don't grieve the spirit that lives in you, whom you need for redemption later on. And so he says this in verse 31, get rid of it all. Everybody say, get rid of it all. Bitterness anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. What types of evil behavior? Evil behavior that occurs because you are bitter and raging and angry and using harsh words and slandering against other people. Instead, here's another way to do it. Do it this way. Be kind to each other. Which each? The each that you are angry at, that each. <laughs> Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. In a couple weeks, we're going to talk more about forgiveness. And I want you just to understand, and I'll say it right here, we'll get to it in a couple weeks. Forgiveness is a gift that you give that benefits you. 
Forgiveness frees you. It doesn't make what they did right. God wants to set you free. And part of the pathway to freedom is found in forgiveness. It's a gift that you give them. People don't earn gifts or they're not called gifts. It's just something that you give. That's free. Come back in a couple weeks and I'll unpack it some more. Here's what Paul's warning is. Listen, I'm going to use more of a, a current colloquialism to unpack what Paul is saying. He's saying to get rid of it. In other words, he's saying, listen, the more you sling mud, the dirtier you're going to get and the less ground you actually have to stand on. That's deep. I'm going to let it sit there for a minute. The angrier you get, it shows up in how you start slinging mud at other people. But the more mud you sling, the less ground you have to stand on, and you get dirty. And you get dirty. Jesus is warning us about rage and how it ruins our relationships. Rage will ruin your relationships. That's why Jesus, or, or excuse me, that's why the psalmist says in Psalm 24, who is it that can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who is it that gets to stand in right relationship with God? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. Those who haven't been slinging mud all week long and show up to the house of the Lord with dirty hands and let me praise this God after I have just cursed someone three, seven different ways, sideways, making them feel so small they play handball with the curb. It's an old joke. <laughs> Trying to bring some levity to a really serious conversation this morning. Uh, let me give you give me some, some help. God wants you to recognize your anger and get rid of it before you regret it. Let me say it again. God wants you to recognize it and get rid of it before you regret it. What is it he wants you to recognize? L look at James chapter 1, 19 through 20. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all... Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. You want to live in a world full of righteousness? Your anger isn't the way to get it. You want a home where the presence of God is welcome and your life is flourishing? Anger is not the way to get it. In fact, Jesus says in his text, in his sermon, he says, when you are angry and you've ruined a relationship with someone else. Stop your worship and reconcile the relationship first. Your rage needs to be reconciled. You need to reconcile with the other people that you have hurt and you need to reconcile with God. One of the most humble things and heartbreaking things is when I've had to go back to my kids and say, you know what? I'm sorry I slapped my hand on the table so loud. Sorry I got angry. 
I wasn't really mad at you. I was actually mad at myself because I screwed up. I took it out on you. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Can't promise I won't do it again. But I can promise I'll always try to make it right when I do. And my hope is that I'll be able to find some peace with God. And when I stay in a right relationship with God, the fruit of the Spirit can grow. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is that I would have self-control. I would be patient and kind. It would be evident of a life lived in a circular, abiding, continual relationship with God like we talked about last week. This is what God is after in our lives. This is what he's presenting to us. And so we have to reconcile these things. We have to reconcile it with other people and go to them and apologize and not just say we're sorry, but repent for what we did wrong. There is a difference. Saying you're sorry someone got hurt is not the same as repenting for what you did that caused them to feel hurt. Many of us have lived our life dismissing the wrong that we did and we've never really repented before God and we wonder why our life isn't flourishing like God promises that it would. It's because what Jesus teaches in Matthew 7 when he says don't judge other people lest you be judged and with the same measure you use to judge others it's going to be judged back to you and then Jesus uses some more humor on heavy subjects and he says it's like grabbing a huge log I could just see him by around a campfire grabbing a huge log from a tree and be like it's like walking around with a log in your eye trying to poke out somebody's speck in their eye Jesus isn't saying don't examine whether or not someone's life is worthy of your relationship or not. He's not trying to say discern what is right and wrong. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you don't get to execute a sentence of judgment condemning someone. In other words, here's what we do with our judgment because we are so unreconciled within ourselves and with God. What we do is we start judging other people based on the worst interpretation of their actions while judging ourselves based on the best of our intentions. And anytime we're sitting in the judgment seat of condemnation against someone's motives and what they meant and all the things, you're sitting in an unrighteous judgment seat when God is a righteous and just judge and he'll take care of it for you. You're trying to be God in that situation. And we end up with people full of a critical spirit. Friends, our repentance towards other people, and hear me, our repentance towards God is the first step in reconciling the rage within us and finding healing and being free from anger. Our repentance. Let me say it this way. Your rage cannot be louder than your repentance. Some of us have a habit of being really loud with our rage on social media, really loud with rage in our circles. 
and we've been near silent as it relates to our repentance. For those watching online who are part of our Fort Scott community, I'm going to use a, a local example, and it's not meant to bring shame. It's just meant for us to examine some things in our own hearts. How loud was your rage as the local college went through what it's gone through? How loud has your repentance been? How, how loud has the broken and contrite spirit? Was your rage full of slander and gossip and talking like you knew something that you didn't know? Whatever opinion you hold. I, you're welcome to your opinion. My question is, your, is your opinion lining up with the way of Jesus? Is it full of salt and light, or is it salty and blinding? We have to check our hearts, friends. Our repentance has to be louder than our rage. Whatever issue, whatever subject, whatever it was, why? Because our anger and our rage will never produce the righteousness that we long to see in our homes. It will never produce the righteousness that we long to see in our lives. It will never produce the righteousness that we long to see in our communities. Rather, it often fights for our own right. But the kingdom of God says, I must be willing to lay down my rights so that I can receive Jesus' righteousness. And when I receive Jesus' righteousness, he rescues me from the coming anger of God that will be experienced through eternal separation from God. You can't have the righteousness that you long for when you are angry and raging for your own rights. It's about laying them down and saying, Jesus, your way. I want to live like you. I want to allow a soft answer to turn away the wrath in someone else's life. I want to be kind, tender-hearted, slow to speak, slow to get angry, God. Help me, Lord. Let me examine the speck of anger and rage in my own eye. Psalms 86, verse 15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious. Slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Which is why we can with confidence say, if there is breath in your lungs, it's not too late to repent and allow the righteousness of God to become your righteousness. He's just And he's the giver of life and the sustainer of life. And he's good. And he's asking us to examine our own heart repentantly first. And leave up the righteous judgment to him on the earth. Would you stand with me as we come to the table of the Lord? If you have the communion elements that you received on your way in, go ahead and grab those and make sure the bread is on top and peel that layer back and you can get the bread and then you can flip it over and open up the next layer and get the juice ready to go and just hold them both in your hand we'll partake in a minute
Would you bow your heads just for a minute? Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Would you do a minute, just, just play the tape forward. If you continue in your own way, maybe anger is an issue for you. If you continue in that way, what will the end results look like? What is the wake of broken relationships you'll experience? What is the resentment that will grow? What is that end result? Just play it forward for a minute, which often helps us come to a place of repentance, to stop and say, Jesus, I need you. I need your spirit to come in me to give me that life, that self-control, that kindness that I can't produce on my own, but you can produce it. And that's our prayer today that you would reconcile us to you through our repentance. Our recognition of our wrong and our decision to turn and go a different direction. That's what repentance is. So God, that's what we're here to do, to commit ourselves fresh and anew as people who want to walk in the way of Jesus to walk out the way of Jesus. And so Lord, we stand here with the bread. The bread that's your body broken so that we could be whole. We receive it today in faith, remembering your body. Let's take the bread together. And Lord, we thank you for your blood that forgives us of the times that we mess up, the times that are, we've botched it, the times that, Lord, we didn't live out the way that you wanted us to. So, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us, make us right with you again as we remember your blood today in this juice. Let's take the juice together. Thank you, Lord. Typically, we'll pronounce a blessing and a benediction on you, but today I want us to participate in pronouncing a blessing over our moms. So if you're near a mom or a lady in the room, would you just place a hand on their shoulder as I pronounce a blessing on them today. We say, Lord, would you bless them and keep them? Would you make your face shine on them and be gracious to them? Lord, would you lift up your countenance towards them and give them peace? And everywhere they go this week, may you remind them that they are radically loved by you, Jesus. The name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, and the Holy Spirit who lives within us, we pray. And all the people said, Amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link and when you do that you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them hey if faith church has made an impact in your life if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith would you consider partnering with us financially when you do that it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real jesus you can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're 
If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.